Hello. Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, I hope you forgive me, but but I think I got caught up last night. Last night, I, I mean, I think I preached the last the everlasting gospel last night. <laughs> My wife told me, says, "Boy, you are, you are long last night." I said, "No." I said, you know, "When I said, oh yeah, I think the evidence is there." <laughs> I must have got so happy. Okay, I'm, I must have got so happy. I'm on the Oregon. My God, I. Must have got on my head, you know. But I'm very careful tonight, uh, this morning, okay? Amen. Praise God. The fact that you came back is really encouraging to me. Amen. I love you guys. I love you guys. Amen. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. I, 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 in talking about the books yesterday, I forgot to talk about my book, Finding God in the Midst of the Food Wars. Getting healthy at the cellular level and becoming what created you, God created you to be. You need to. You need this book. This book is written in such a way that it helps you begin to remaster your health without the condemnation that normally goes with it. It's a le- it, but it's it's from a place of revelation and a, and my co-author, the quote Scott Oatsville, I mean, he has one of the most integrated medical practices you've ever found where holistic medicine, med- chiropractors, medical doctors are working together on one roof. They have over 8,000 patients in the state of Tennessee alone, and over 80% success rate at reversing type 2 by diabetes and many other ailments. God told them how to, that for every pharmaceutical, there's a nutrici- there's a nutraceutical that can do the job without all the side effects. And so it's, it's come, I mean, God never left us with anything in nature to kill us, to cure us. Everything we need is in the earth. That's how God dim, uh, happened, put it together. So that book is interesting for you to get, Finding God in the Midst of the Food Wars, amen? And I also, it asked one of the chapters that talk about what did, what did Jesus eat? You know, you know, in his, in all this, how, what did Jesus do? I asked myself, what did Jesus eat? So I have a whole menu of what Jesus ate. The Bible doesn't hide that. Talk to me, somebody. Amen. <laughs> so today I'm going to be teaching. I'm, I'm going to be talking about uh, the battle of altars, prosecuting evil altars in your bloodline. The battle of altars, prosecuting evil altars in your bloodline. This book is really it's one of the best books you ever read. Only the subject of altars how to build them, how to sustain them, and how to destroy the evil ones that the enemy has used to infiltrate your family. So those books are available for signing tonight. I'm dealing with the issue of breaking generational curses, so we're going to be doing the jumping the prophetic bloodline. It's going to be an amazing uh, service tonight. So I want uh, to get into it right now. And now for those, let's put our hands together again for those who are live streaming. We had over 250 people live streaming last night. Talk to me, somebody. Amen. That was good. Amen. So we welcome those, you know, we give, we give, we, we give a shout out to them so they know that they are recognized, uh, that they are part of what God is doing here. How many know God owns the clouds? Talk to me, somebody. I think sometimes when you get to heaven, God will be like, duh. How many technologies did I try to give you, but you are so heavenly minded, I couldn't help you, you know? I remember one time I was looking at the iPhone. I'm like, Lord, man, this is a great phone. Well, I mean, I'm thinking, Lord, people line up to get the iPhone. Those, those are the days of Steve Jobs. You know, so people sleeping outside, you know, the Best Buy to get a phone. 
And I said, Lord, why would you give it to a Buddhist? Because Steve Jobs was an avowed Buddhist. Okay? And I forget asking God that. Lord, why would you give such, man, such, an, uh, such, such an invention to a Buddhist who does not even acknowledge you? And he said to me, do you think I gave it to him first? Oh, that, I never expected that answer. What? <laughs> he said, Francis, many of these technologies I'm trying to give to my people, but they are so heavenly minded, they're not very good athletes. So uh, they rebuke. They, talk to me somebody. You know, sometimes, you know, it says they rebuke. <laughs> I can only imagine the first person could go, go try to give the iPhone to. Thought it was a demon. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> you foul spirit. <laughs> and God is like, hey, I'm trying to give you the next phone, you know. So God had to find a Buddhist to do it. You know, and, uh, but I remember one time he said, he said to me, Francis, you know, uh, what the, the enemy always overplays his hand. And with coronavirus, boy, did he overplay his hand. And he said to me, by overplaying his hand, he has caused my people to develop habits around meeting me in the clouds. Okay? A lot, of it, uh, a lot of your data is now stored in the what? Clouds. So the Lord said to me, but Francis, I've been trying to tell you this for over 2,000 years, that I own the clouds. He says, how did I live? I said, oh, my God, I, I saw it. He said, he said, I left in the clouds. <laughs> and the angel said, this same Jesus, <laughs> whom you saw taken by the clouds, he will come back in the clouds. He said, Francis, I own the clouds so I can show up in the clouds. And so we've been seeing a lot of miracles, tumors disappearing, people vomiting. All I mean, this has been amazing, some of the creative miracles we've seen in the clouds. In the clouds, people getting healed, being set free. You know, so our live streaming has exploded because COVID gave us a habit we didn't have before. You know, you are stuck at home, so what do you do? You you learn what you didn't le what you didn't what you you, you learn some new trick. So the our e courses have exploded, our live stream have exploded. The last conference we did in Tennessee, we had uh, as many people live as we did online. Never used to happen like that. You know, and then we saw a lot of miracles online. So that's amazing. So that's why I now I'm becoming conscientious to recognize the invisible ones. <laughs> They are part of us. They are praying with us. So let's put our hands together one more time for Facebook, people from Facebook and YouTube. Amen. We welcome you to this beautiful place in Oregon called the Vineyard Church. Man, you are the beautiful state. Talk to me, somebody. Crazy governor, but crazy governor, but beautiful state. When you start putting tampons in the in the in the in the school for for boys, you know you are crazy. Yeah, they call it the Tampon Equity Act. <laughs> now boys need that tampon. Jesus have mercy. Crazy governor. Great state, beautiful thing, but crazy governor. But, uh, but I'm seeing a shift in, there, in that area. Talk to me, somebody. Amen. I want you to turn your Bibles to, to Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. I just want to give you a foundation uh, on the courts of heaven before I talk about altars. Because we are going to be destroying evil altars in your bloodline from the courts of heaven. 
So I felt it was incumbent upon me to just take about 10 minutes just to give you a debriefing on the courts of heaven. How many of you here, by the raising of your hand, have heard of the teaching on the courts of heaven? Thank you. That's a good crowd. How many have never heard a teaching on the courts of heaven? Okay. How many have, how many have never heard a teaching on the courts of heaven? Raise your hand. Just be honest. Amen. That's good. Okay. But a but, but a good number has. Amen. Has Robert Henderson been to this church? Hello? Okay. All right. And um, so here so Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. Now, understanding the courts of heaven becomes very easy when you look at the Bible differently. My mentor, my friend and mentor, was a man known as Dr. Miles Monroe. I may know him. Dr. Miles Monroe is now in heaven, one of the greatest generals of our time that God raised to teach on the gospel of the kingdom. You know, if you've never read any books on the Dr. Miles Monroe and the gospel of the kingdom, you would have slapped yourself. <laughs> Amen? Then forgive yourself after you buy the book. Because there is nobody who, who God ever raised in our generation who could explain the kingdom of God like Miles Monroe. And Miles Monroe made a statement that changed my life forever in terms of my, how I look at the Bible, how I accept Jesus the Bible. He said, the problem with a lot of Christians is that we look at the Bible as a religious book. He says, but the Bible is not a religious book. It is the constitution of a kingdom. How many know that changes already? Is the constitution of what? I mean, no, the U.S. Constitution is not a religious book. Is that right? It's a document of how it govern, a government has chosen to govern itself. Is that right? Is that right? Amen? Bill of Rights are in there. Different amendments are in there. Talk to me, somebody. Second Amendment, talk to me, somebody. I will shoot you. Oh, I love being in America. Talk to me, somebody. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm like, you, you mean there is a country where you don't have to watch guns on the movies? You can have one? My God. Hallelujah. So when I came to America, I said, free home at last. Talk to me somebody. Amen. I can, I can, Billy the kid, Billy the kid. Don't you dare. <laughs> Thank God for America, you know. Let me tell you something. There is a cure for liberalism in America. Just give, take a liberal on a missions tour to Africa for the two weeks. You'll come back delivered. You'll come back delivered. Because they'll realize that there are very few countries on, on the planet like America. So hopefully you do not destroy them. America, doesn't, America does not exist anywhere else in the world. Trust me. Travel around the world. Okay. And um, anyway, so watch this now. Daniel 7, verse 9 to 10. So, so Dr. Miles Monroe said, uh, we make the mistake of looking at the Bible as though it was a religious book. The Bible is not a religious book. It is the constitution of a kingdom. It is a document of a government telling its citizens in another, in, in a, in its, in taking it, tell, telling its citizens in a different colony Talk to me, somebody. How to behave like the, like, like the original kingdom. That's why he said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, what in what? Heaven. 
Realize you are a colony. That's what he said in the prayer. Realize you are a colony. So the colony cannot uh, uh, operate, ro cannot go rogue. If, if a colony stops emulating the values, the customs, the culture of the original kingdom, the colony has gone rogue. Because colonies have no, uh, I, mean, I mean, I understand this because Zambia was colonized by the British. You'll be amazed, Zambian pastors, you know, uh, prime and proper, they'll be wearing, uh, just because the British love their suits and their ties, I've been delivered, glory be God. <laughs> Mega has been good to me. He's freed me from the ties, man, I'm telling you. But when, but when you are in Africa, I mean, Af African pastors, even now, you go there, it could be hot like hell. And they'll have a three-piece suit with a tie. I'm like, brother, you must be frying yourself. You know, you could be free. Talk to me, somebody. But, and then they, they have to have their tea. They don't even know why. They have to have their tea. Are you catching what I'm saying? Because the British have to have their tea. Okay, and they drive also. Talk to me, someone. When Americans go there, they accuse us of driving on the wrong side. But that, that's up for debate, okay? <laughs> but, but even now, we drive on the, on the side the British drive. Why? Because Zambia was a colony of the British for 50 years. So we act British. Okay? Talk to me, somebody. Amen. It's really amazing. Now, and so we are, earth is a colony of heaven. It was designed to be a colony of heaven. Okay? And so the Bible is a constitution of a government. So therefore, if the Bible is a constitution of a government, then it changes everything. Jesus is no longer the preacher. He's the head of state. See the difference? That's what the Magi's came to announce. The head of state of a country has been born. And it shook the political world. Because they understood the ramifications of having a head of state or a sovereign in your territory. So some think some people think Herod was crazy. No, Herod was just being a good politician. He, even though he misunderstood the mission of Jesus, but he understood kingdoms enough to know you can't have two kings in one domain. If you're telling me a king has been born and I'm king, I'm in trouble. One of us is in trouble. The only problem is he should have asked God what kind of king this one was. He thought he was another king coming to take over his throne, so he went crazy. Kill every baby. I mean, I think he might, he, he might be one of the uh, uh, founder, emeritus of parent, Planned Parenthood. Talk to me, somebody. Because he killed every child from two years down. Massive abortion on a massive scale. Every child was killed. Trying to make sure it can eliminate. But you can't kill God. Talk to me, somebody. He, could, he couldn't do it. Okay. So when you understand that the, that, 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 that the kingdom is a government, then would you be surprised that a government has a judiciary? You'd be surprised if a church had a judiciary. You'd be like, what kind of church is this? Okay? But you'll not be surprised for the government to have a department of justice. Is right? Would you not be surprised? As a matter of fact, you'd be surprised if it doesn't have it. I mean, any country you go to, you, you get robbed, what are you looking for? The police, you're looking for the, 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 the system of that government that deals with law. Is that right? Because it's a government. Is that right? So if the kingdom of God is a government, why would we surprise it has its own judiciary that is designed to deal with the violation of the rights of its citizens by an adversary who's, who, who what, who does, who, whose number one job is to accuse us before God day and night. 
Talk to me, somebody. The word accuse is legal in nature. That's why, as a matter of fact, I can't even, uh, the, 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 the justice system, the engines of the justice system do not begin to move until somebody has been accused. So an accusation is necessary for the justice system to begin to move. So if Satan is an accuser, talk to me somebody, where is he accusing us of? Talk to me somebody. It's in a court. Why in a court? Because God is running a country. And that country has laws. And when the laws are broken of that country, there has to be a court that protects the interest of that country and its laws. That's the courts of heaven. Does that help you understand it? Before I understood the court of heaven, I had a, re a real problem. I had a real theological quagmire trying to place the book of Job. He didn't mock, I mean, he kind of, I, I love the story. I'm an amazing guy. But, the, but Lucifer's uh, part in it, the first two chapters, really was difficult for me because in the book of Luke, Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning. So we know that Satan and one third of the angels were cast out of heaven. Is that right? They lost their residency of heaven. But then when you come to the book of Job, the Bible says, and, and when there came a time when the angels went to heaven to present themselves before the Lord. And Lucifer was among them. Now that doesn't, I, I don't get that. This guy has been chucked out. He has been evicted out of heaven. Why, what is he doing again appearing before the Lord? I was even more surprised when the Lord spoke to Lucifer. He did, he was, he did not ask him a question I wanted him to ask him. Because I mean, if you, if you have a, 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 a renter that you, you expel out of your home, is it right? You say, you know what, I you are evicted, and they are evicted. You see them pack their bags and get out. If the next time you pass by your house, they are in the house, talk to me somebody. Your question to them is not going to be, where have you come from? You don't even care where they come from. Your question should be, why are you here in this house? I evicted you. So now I was looking for the question from God. Satan. Talk to me somebody. Amen. What side of the border did you crash? <laughs> I was just waiting. God said, why are you here? God did not ask the question, why are you here? Implying his presence before God was legal. He asked him instead, where on earth have you come from? That's not the question I was asking God. I said, God, who cares where this sucker comes from? I'm just wondering why is he doing in heaven when he has been cast out? So when the Lord began to show me the courts of heaven, I said, now I can explain to you, because I know this has been a quagmire. You have accepted it by faith, but part of you is struggling. He says, it is true that one third of the angels and Lucifer himself lost their residency. That's the key. They lost their residence of the kingdom of heaven. They will never reside there again. But Lucifer himself, Saturn, was given a temporary visa to appear only in one part of heaven, the court. Why? Because no self-respecting judge can have a trial without the prosecution being seated. So when the laws of the kingdom are broken, talk to me some, by us, Satan has legal right to call before God and say, is this not the law of your kingdom? You need to let me have them. 
they have broken the laws of your kingdom. He doesn't go to the court of heaven to argue for his own laws. He goes to argue in the kingdom to get rights from God to persecute. So I said, Lucifer is a double dealer. He's the one who tempts you, and when you agree to be tempted, he's the one who tempts you. When you bite, he runs to court and accuses you. <laughs> he's a double dealer. You can't trust him. Talk to me, somebody. Lord, do I have some news to you about Mabel? She sinned today. How do I know? I got the evidence. <laughs> he tempts you, and then when you bite, he accuses you before God for biting. And then gets more rights to hold back your destiny until there's repentance. Are you with me, somebody? So, let me give you two scriptures that will help. That, that, that will just now, very quickly. And then we'll go into the subject of altars. What are they? And how can they, I mean, how are, many, of, many of you are, some of the invisible battles you've been fighting, some of the safe patterns you keep going through could be because of this, uh, uh, what I call evil altars. So, we'll get to that. But let me just give you two scriptures about the court of heaven. And then we're going to shift everything to describe, to, to deal with the subject of altars. And then at the end of my teaching, we are going to enter the courts of heaven and ask God to destroy any evil authors in our bloodline that are speaking against us. Amen? So Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. I watched till thrones were put in place. And the Ancient of Days was seated. Okay? The Ancient of Days was what? Seated. That's a very... I want you to remember that, that word, seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was, was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousand ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated. And the books was what? Open. So notice the word seated appears twice. The first time the ancient of days is seated. The second time the court is seated. What, is, what, 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 what does this mean? It means that God is functioning as a judge in the text. Because it's only in the judiciary that the sitting of the judge is said is, may, is also the sitting of the court. So you can go to a are you guys what I'm saying? By the way, do you know that natural courts are based on the heavenly courts? God didn't copy us. We copied him. Because Moses is the lawgiver. Every judicial institution in the civilized world come from Moses. The Jewish people became the first uh, legalistic, legal, legally, well, legally organized society in, 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 on a human earth. That's why Moses became a lawgiver. God told him how to be. And so you notice every country, even the one that don't deny, deny Jesus, still use the Mosaic law as a framework of their judiciary. I mean, I mean, are you catching what I'm saying? Show me one country in the world that does not agree with the Ten Commandments. None. Because the Ten Commandments is the basis of judiciary, of any civil society. There's no country on earth where thou shalt not kill does not apply. Every country has homicide law. So they came from the Ten Commandments. Now they may not call it the Ten Commandments, but the framework of law is whatever. That's why some of the mannerisms, the patterns. So watch this. In the judiciary, 
in the, the, uh, the, 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 in the court system is the only system of government where the judge and the court are one. So literally in a, in a, in a court, the judge is the court. It's not the bailiff, it's not the whatever. Those are the accessories of the court. They are officers of the court. But the court is that woman or man in the black robe. That's why sometimes lawyers will change permission to approach the court. They're talking about that person. So in this case, the Ancient of Days is seated, and at the bottom, the court is seated because the Ancient of Days and the court are one. When he sits, the court isn't sitting. He starts to hear cases. Talk to me, somebody. Today is going to hear how case. Amen? And give us breakthrough. Hallelujah. I've had people who had insurance, claim, insurance claims that were denied. Took them in the court of heaven. They got paid on earth. Because the court of heaven is superior to the courts of men. Are you guys what I'm saying? And the way the judiciary works, are you with me so far? Amen. And the way the judiciary works is this. That the law only answers to itself. Say with me, the law only answers to itself. What does that mean? It means this. That if you go to a lower court, right? And they give you a bad verdict. You believe it's an unjust what? Verdict. You have only one option in the law. To go up. That's why every legal system has appeal process. Because the law can only answer itself. You can go and shoot the judge. How dare you give me that? You're going to jail and losing everything. But you can go up. So in America, we keep going up and up until we get to the, to the apex of our judiciary, the nine justices. If those guys say no, it's no. That's it. Because there's nothing above them. There's nothing about them except the court of heaven. God said to me, Francis, you can always go above them. Because every court system falls under the courts of heaven. So I have been able to influence uh, verdicts around the world. Predi verdicts, different, different issues, doesn't matter. If you know what you're doing. Okay? So uh, 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 look at verse 25 of ja Daniel. This is, my uh, this is an interesting part of 25 and 26. Se same chapter, Daniel chapter 7. Just jump to verse 25 and 26. Check this out. I just want to read these two scriptures, and then I'm going to go into the, the, the subject on altars. Amen? But the reason I did this is because I, I want when we start to go, to go in the code of heaven to gather, that we are all on the same page. We don't leave anybody out. Does that make sense? You know? So I want to make sure those who have not heard anything have a little bit of an understanding. So when we go in the code of heaven, their faith can be with us, released for a breakthrough. All right? Because they, 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 they know, okay, we are now entering a real place in the spirit. Now, because the code of heaven is spiritual, you can enter it any time by faith. Talk to me, somebody. You can what? Enter it any time by what? Faith. The court, amen, it's a court that never sleeps. Don't you like that? Natural judges will say, okay, we're done at five. Get on. You'll come back tomorrow or whatever. The court of heaven is open 24-7. That's why Satan is there accusing you day and night. 
Revelation 12. He accuses them before God day and night. Why? Because that court is open day and night. Are you with me? I'll never forget one time. One time I was, um, maybe let's, let me first read this. Then I'll, then I'll tell you the story quickly. Verse 25 and 26, Daniel 7. Now how many have heard about the Antichrist that is coming, that man of sin? Is it right? He's, he's going to come. It's coming at a time. There, there are dark days ahead of us. You know, and uh, there are dark days that's coming upon the planet for those who have not received the Lord. You know, and those will be found in the days called the days of the tribulation. But the Bible talks about a man of sin who are go, who's going to come and desecrate anything called God. And he makes himself God and desecrate the temple in Jerusalem. You know, the, I mean, Daniel speaks about him. You know, uh, the book of Revelation has a lot to say. Yeshua spoke about this man of sin. You know, who's going to, he's so wicked. Soulless, literally, soulless. But charismatic, but soulless. And uh, he will be a personification of the devil in the flesh. But as evil as this man is going to be, blew my mind how his reign of terror is going to come to an end after three and a half years of terrorizing the world and killing thousands upon thousands of believers who will be martyred for their faith during his reign. The Bible talks about it. Look at Daniel 7, verse 25 to 26. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High and shall persecute the saints of the Most High and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for three and a half years. That's a lot of martyrdom coming up. Talk to me, somebody. Where God will allow him for three and a half years to even have authority over the saints. That means he can kill them at will if they do not bend to the mark of the beast. Is that right? But I want you to notice how his reign of terror, his three and a half year reign of terror is going to end. It blew my mind when I saw this. Verse 26, but the court shall be seated. Not the Supreme Court where you have no power over him. You have power over them. But there's a court in heaven that has power. But the court shall be seated and they shall take away his dominion and con to consume it and destroy it forever. So God asked me a question, Francis, how powerful is the court of heaven? He said to me, if the court of heaven can destroy the Antichrist with one sitting, can it destroy the things that are attacking you? Yes, it can. Hallelujah. One sitting of the court of heaven and the verdict will be passed. And on earth, it will be executed. He will be finished. Nobody could touch him. He, he's going to have armies under him. He's going to have China under him. That's how powerful he's going to be. Yet my brother, one sitting of the court of heaven will take away his dominion. Can that court deliver your daughter? Oh, yes, it can. Can that court deliver your husband? Oh, yes, it can. Can that court deliver your marriage? Oh, yes, it can. Can that court overthrow an evil injustice done against you on earth? Yes, it can. So, 
I don't. I think we've sent the PowerPoint. I don't know uh, uh, April if, if April is here, but I think they sent the PowerPoint for this teaching. If you have it, you can put it on the board for the people. But if you don't have it, I, it's okay. I'll, I'll just you know run through it. Okay. Turn with you in your Bibles to uh, to the book of Genesis one twenty six to twenty eight. We're talking about persecuting evil altars in your bloodline and nation. Persecuting what? Evil altars in your bloodline and what? Nation. Now, while you're turning to Genesis 126 to 28, I want to quickly say this. Yeah, I want to quickly say this. That when I was working on my, my, my first prayer book, my completely prayer book, uh, The Dangerous Prayers, from the courts of heaven that destroy evil altars. When I was working on it, I was blown away when I did the search. I'd never done it before. I'm a man of prayer. Come out of Africa, you, you know, just believe in prayer, pray a lot. You know? And, um, but then when I began to do a study on altars, when God, altars, I was blown away when I went to BibleGetway.com online and I did a word search. You know, I love that site. Because I do my Bible study that way. Because I can search the whole Bible. Don't you just love that? You know, you know. If you had to search for one for one particular word in your physical Bible, you'll be there forever. It's going, whatever. But when you thank God for digital stuff, so I was able to put the word altar and the word prayer. I did a search from from Genesis to Revelation. How many times they have been mentioned? I was blown away to find out that the word altar is mentioned many more times than the word prayer. I've never done this before. I said, what? The word altar is mentioned many more times than the word prayer. I asked God, because when I find stuff like that, I'm asking God. I'm, I'm knocking on his door. You need to talk. What says? I said, why is the word altar mentioned many more times than the word prayer? And the Lord said to me, that's because, that's because prayer that, that which does not pass through an altar is nothing but wishful thinking. It's a wish. But it's not a prayer I can really answer because I can't answer a prayer that has not come through the altar. I said, God, why? He said, now, you, now you're going to the main question. Why? Because it means the altar is what makes prayer possible. Not the other way around. So that you, you, you do well to understand altars. Why the Bible is full of, as a matter of fact, altars are so perversive in scripture. They are in every book of the Bible. And they are in heaven too. Now I mean anything that makes it in heaven is pretty big deal. If it's in heaven, it's a pretty big deal. Thy kingdom come here on earth as it is what? So whatever is in heaven is a big, pretty big deal. So I, when I did a surgery on altars, I was blown away that there are altars in heaven. So God showed man how to make altars by what was already in heaven. But I'm going to show you why God wanted altars. But then I'm going to show you how the enemy, who is a master copycat, reverse engineered the altars to attack you. How he used a platform for divine encounter to become a platform for demonic encounter. He simply reverse engineered what God did. You see, whatever you think of the devil, 
you have to give him credit for this. He knows this. Satan knows that there's nothing wrong with being a copycat, provided you copy the right cat. Is that right? We could learn from him. And so Satan does not spend time copying men. He knows they know nothing. He spends his time copying God. Because he knows whatever God does, it shall be forever. The Bible even says so. Whatever God does, it's forever. Nothing can be done to it. So enemy simply looks at God. That's why I think the Bible, that's why I think when, when, when in the temptation, why do you think the, the devil never even bothered to tell, to call, to call the New York Times to Jesus? Why? He knew he, the Lord doesn't care about the New York Times or Fox News or CNN. Guess what the enemy went? Straight to the word. Tend this castle because it is written. That shows you the Bible. The devil studies the Bible. A whole lot than you do. Why? Because he's trying to find out principles he can reverse engineer and weaponize them against you. And then the altar is one of those weapons that many of us are shadow boxing, fighting, going through cycles in the family. And like why, why do we keep going through these cycles? Well, because the enemy has weaponized a platform called an altar. And then once it's activated in your, in your bloodline, he can literally leave you to fight with it. It's weapon, you know. And I'm going to show you how, how these things work. But most importantly, how you can be delivered from them. So, Genesis 1, are you there? Very quickly. I'm going to be using my PowerPoint so I can go quickly. And then we're going to pray together. Amen? Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Everybody said, let them have dominion. Okay? Those two words, let them, are the most consequential words God has ever used. Because those two words, believe you me, are the axle on, on which the earth, the planet we live in, operates by. Let them, let them have dominion. Which begs the question, who is them? We're going to get to that. Let them have what? Dominion. That word dominion comes from the Hebrew word mamlaka. Ever say mamlaka. Say mamlaka. Okay? Mamlaka in Hebrew literally means to be in charge. To be what? To be what? In charge. So God is saying let them be what? In charge. It also means to have authority. Let them have what? Authority. <laughs> Are you with me what God is doing here? That word mamlaka also means to be sovereign. Let them be sovereigns. My God. God literally promoted, promoted us with those two words. Let them have dominion. Let them have mamlaka. Let them be in charge of this environment we have created, this physical plane of existence. Let them have dominion, watch this now, over the fish of the sea, over the what? Let them have what? Dominion over the what? So does it surprise you? Does it surprise you that the first disciples Jesus got in his, in, his, in his ministry had to deal with the fishing industry? Because if you cannot dominate fish, you are, you, you, it's hopeless. <laughs> okay. The fish is what you're... So, <laughs> so when the Lord came years later, guess who he found? Fishermen. I'm going to show you how to become fishers of what? Of men. They were, they were already exercising dominion over the fish. So God said, okay, these are the guys I want, okay? They still get it. 
Let them have dominion over the fish, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over, over all the earth. Over all the earth. Is that right? And over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own what? Image. Is that right? In the image of God, he created him. Is that right? Male and female, he created what? Them. Is that right? Male and female, he created what? Them. Ever say them. So now we know the male. We, now we know who was given mamlaka. Now we know who was given dominion is male and what? Female. Watch this now. So God spoke to Francis, dominion over the earth is gender sensitive. That's why all of this, all of a sudden, all of, the, all of this gender confusion in America is a demonic strategy because the enemy is trying to circumvent Mamlaka. Because God gave dominion over the earth to only two genders. You denounce the two genders, you have no dominion. That's violating the contract of Mamlaka. The contract God, the creator, made for Mamlaka is for the male and female. He went out of his way to say that Mamlaka, the dominion over the earth, is connected to these two genders. So when you are trans, trans means to be above. You, trans you are transcend the two genders. God is like, okay, you can do it, but I don't recognize that as part of my contract. So now the devil has legal right to use your body without asking for your permission because you have renounced Mamlaka. So you're about to see demonic possession in America and the Western world like you've never seen before because of this gender dysphoria. Because gender was the boundary God made between earth and the world of spirit. So the mamlaka or must be given to these two genders, male and female. God went out of his way to make sure it was male and female. That means, watch this. So, so watch this. This is important because if you don't understand what God did, you won't understand why altars became the only way God can deal with men. It's the only way God can connect with us and why the devil inverts that and also uses it. So God says, okay, now men are... Uh, uh, so now, I've given, the male and female, I've given them mamlaka. Mamlaka means to be in charge. To what? To be what? In charge. It means to be a sovereign. Is that right? To be what? Are you with me so far? Okay. So in other words, God, because mamlaka, or because God said, let them, let them is very exclusive. Ever say exclusive? exclusive. You know, those of, those of you who are in business, you know what, what an exclusive contract means. You know, it means you cannot sell to anybody else or they cannot sell to any. If somebody put an exclusive exclusivity in the contract, you better know, you better believe, you better make sure they can deliver, is right? Because they lock you up out of every other market. Ex so God was exclusive. He it, God did not say, let them and us. You see, had God said, let them and us have dominion, then God could have the legal right to come on earth, do revival by himself without needing anybody. Because he made an exclusion for himself. He did not. He said, let them have dominion. That means even me as God, for me to operate on earth, I have to talk to them. That's why God would wait. God, God says to, to Moses, I've heard, I've heard the cries of the people of Israel. Duh. You mean all these years they have been crying, you've heard? Yeah. Why haven't you delivered them? Because I can't unless there's a man to go with me. Yes. <laughs> 
Moses, I've heard the cry, but as a spirit, I can deliver them without violating Mamlaka. If I just decide to come in the world as a spirit, then the devil can come in the world without asking man for permission. The devil will say, if you can do it, then I can do it too. He says, he says Mamlaka, <laughs> God created a situation where God became venerable to our permission. And so God said, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to design a port of entry, a meeting place, where you with Mamlaka can meet with me, spirit, and we can negotiate how I enter your world. That place of meeting or negotiation is called an altar. So altars in the Bible became places of meeting with God or meeting with demons. And if you look at the story of Israel, it is a story of oscillating between two altars. That's the whole story of Israel. Revival, when they are coming to the altar of the Lord. Demons and witchcraft everywhere, when they have turned from the Lord and they are now worshipping idols like the other nations. This is the whole Bible. And to get them back, to shake, to shake them back and let them know, you are my people, you can't worship demons at altars like the others. God will let their enemies take them into captivity until they, they are broken enough to come back to the only one true God. When they come back, it, that is the story of Israel. It's the story of oscillating between two meeting places. Between either an altar to God or the altar to devil, to devils. That is the whole story of Israel. Now, you might, wanna, you might, you might want to laugh at Israel, you know, but the, the matter is Israel is a carbon, Israel is a mirror of all of us. God does not need, just, it just took Israel to show us what's in all of us. So the story of the world is the story of the two authors. Talk to me somebody. The story of abortion is the story of two authors. Those who are eating from the author of life and those who are eating from the author of death. That's it. The protests happening right now at the Supreme Court are coming from two people. It's coming only from two nations. Oh, they are different colors, but two nations. The righteous nation that says, we are for life. And one that says, death is our business. You can't take away, you cannot take away from us death. It's death they are fighting. It's not abortion. The abortion is a ruse, but the altar is death. Because what is the ultimate effect of an abortion? Somebody dies. It's an altar of death. This is the history of mankind. And in our bloodline, that's also the history. That's the fight we have in the bloodline. You love the Lord. You want to follow him. But you get falling back in these patterns. Like why am I, why do I fall in these patterns? Because there are altars in the bloodline. The enemy already has, talk to me somebody, has already hacked your bloodline. Knowing somebody of destiny is going to rise in and it just happens to be you. Now you are fighting what's there, but you don't know what it is. Today I'm putting a face on it and I'm telling you how we destroy that. So in the Bible, 
God teaches men how to build altars. Are you catching what I'm saying? Places of meeting. Places of what? Negotiation. Now, what God, now God is so, such a genius. This is what he did. Okay, imagine this is God. This is man. Okay. Mamlaka was given to man. So he of God, he's got authority. But God has power. See, God never gave us power. He only gave us authority. Very interesting. Why? Because God is a, is a perfect businessman. He needs leverage. <laughs> he knows your knucklehead. You, if he gave you both authority and power, you never see daddy until the day you are dying. Oh, Lord, where are you? Lord, I'm about to come home now. What? I've been looking for you for 90 years. Yeah, but I'm about to, I'm about to come. Where have you been? Because you had both power and, and authority. So God says, no, I need leverage. So I'm giving you authority. Are you catching what I'm saying? To decide what you want to happen. You want revival? That's your, 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 your choice. But the power to do it is with me. So if you want to negotiate authority for power, we meet at this place called the altar to negotiate power for authority. That's the Bible. <laughs> so power remained in the realm of the spirit. Authority belongs to the world of men. That's why witches give up their soul to the devil to get power. And Satan, what does Satan get out of it? Authority to run around. And he give witches power to fly in brooms, do whatever. I mean, levitate, shift, change. He doesn't mind. He, he, see, because power remains in the spirit. So Satan, he like, okay, now I get it. Oh, I, this is what he, see, Satan studied God. Oh, my God, I see how he's getting in. How see how he's getting in. He has a legal agreement with Adam and Eve. So they, he allows, he enters them by permission. He enters the world of men. Because remember, Lucifer was, was, was already fallen, but he was locked out. So what, what the, but then he, he, he started the world, he figured out that anything with a body, a physical body of dirt, has, author, has, has, has legal access to the earth. So guess what? What did he do? He went and met with a serpent. What was the meeting about? Mr. Snake, borrow me your body. I'll hook you up too. Do you know God judged the serpent? Not just not, not just the, he judged the serpent itself. According to Hebrew scholars, the serpent of Eden was, a, was the only creature that could talk. Hello? You know, well, think about this. If the serpent could not talk, don't you think Eve would have freaked out? Go home right now. Go home right now. And as soon as you enter your home, let your, your chihuahua talk. You'll be slain. I'm just kidding. <laughs> as much as you love your chihuahua, you go home. Where have you been? I'm hungry. You go, ah, go past the dog. There's a demon. There's a demon in my chihuahua. Is that right? Is that right? I mean, you love, 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 you love your chihuahua that you love so much. But trust me, you're not going home expecting a chihuahua to say, where have you been? I've been counting. You know, you know, I've just been two hours. Normally, you feel me around this time. You're like, Phew. Why? Because it's not normal. Is that right? But would you freak out if your chihuahua has always talked? It will be normal to you. That's why Eve never freaked out when the serpent talked to her. It was a talking serpent. It was the only animal God gave the ability for speech. We don't know why God is. 
that was the shrewdest and wisest of all the animals. But it borrowed what means but what was the sin of the serpent? It borrowed its physical body to the sat to Satan so he could negotiate with Eve for the better body. And the moment Eve agreed, an altar was formed, an evil altar was formed, which became a port of entry for all the spirits standing behind the devil who are looking for illegal entry in the world of men. But they had to get permission from one of them, and the woman gave it to them. And I, Adam, both of them, actually not to you, the woman, both of them gave it to them because the Bible says Adam was right there with her, with the serpent. At any moment, he could have rose up and said, said to the serpent, shut up, don't you talk like that. He kept quiet because he was curious about the fruit too. But like a punk, he let the wife take the hit. <laughs> he wanted the fruit, but he let Eve talk. So he could have frozen deniability. <laughs> so when God came in the garden, he says, it is the woman. <laughs> You should have seen and that serpent talking. It was the woman and God never heard of it. Are you with me, somebody? Are you catching what I'm saying? So from there, quickly, we move. So we, we now see altars in the Bible. We see altars. Uh, we see righteous and evil altars throughout the Bible. We see this with Cain and Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? The first homicide was over the battle of altars. They built two altars. God liked one, hated the other one. And uh, guess what happened? You get what I'm saying? Why did God, was they built two altars, okay? Ken brought the first bond of his flock, is all right? Killed it, blood was shed. Remember? The, Jesus says, you read the scripture because they speak of me, is all right? Everything in scripture was, was designed to point to Yeshua, the ultimate sacrifice. So what does Ken, what does Abel do? He agrees with God's storyline. That something must die in order for sin to be forgiven. But not Cain, who was of the evil one. You see what I'm saying? What is the problem in the world today? People trying to find their way to redemption their own way. It's never changed. It's never changed. It's the opera saying that there are many ways to God. It's still the author of Cain. It is the, it's the, it's the tolle and their secret. Are you catching what I'm saying? Trying to find, say, there's another way to God apart from the blooded, the blooded son of God. So what does he do? He builds an altar. And what does he put on it, brother? Vegetables. And vegetables don't bleed. So there is, so, are you catching what I'm saying? So what, in, are you catching what I'm saying? He built an altar. But God couldn't come on it because that altar was defiled. That altar was in complete rebellion to God. God is like, why are you putting vegetables? Because both of them were taught by their mother and father that blood is what God needs. How do you know that? Because when Adam and Eve sinned, God killed an animal and, put, put and clothed them with animal skin. What happens when animal skin clothes you? You are bloody. Blood is how they got out of the garden. So God forgave their sin by the blood. So they already knew blood is what you needed. But you know what? When we know what, but Cain became a symbol of what an evil altar looks like and why we need to get rid of them in our bloodline, in our family, because they'll make, you, they'll make us act in uh, act. They, all altars, evil altars will make us have what I call anti-God traits. 
So what does he do? He gives vegetables. God did not, did not accept it. Why? Because remember, vegetable, the, the, the vegetables come from the what? The ground. Is that right? And the ground had already been cursed in chapter 3. So God says, how can you bring the accursed thing and offer to me for atonement? For the atonement. Because you're the time of atonement, by the way. The time of atonement, according to Hebrew scholars. And they, so they should have known. And they knew. And Cain knew. But his only Bella's nature wanted to offer God a different. So his altar became a symbol, a biblical symbol of the evil altar. And what is the, power, what is the purpose of the evil altar in your bloodline? To give life to everything God has cursed. Is depression cursed? It is. So the evil author will bring it alive. Talk to me, somebody. Is witchcraft cursed? It is. But the evil author in your blood can keep it alive. Is pornography cursed? It's cursed. It's defilement of the human body. But that's what the evil. So an evil author, in a simple way, is that which gives life to the thing God has already cursed. Cancer. It's an accursed thing. But many of you, it goes from brother to brother to sister to cousin because it's an altar in the family. At some point, somebody in the family has to be dealing with cancer, otherwise the family is not even normal. You're always dealing, okay, now, you know, either it's in remission or somebody's died from it, and then it breaks out over here. But those evil altars can be destroyed in our meeting today. Amen? So, let me give you a couple of things, and I'm going to stand up and pray. Are you enjoying this? Is this making sense in any way? Yes. Oh, hallelujah. So essentially, uh, I'm going to jump uh, through. Essentially, so let's go to the God builds an interface. So what God did uh, after uh, giving man Mamlaka, he showed man how to build an interface between the natural and the spiritual world, which is known as what? Altars. So altars function as an interface or a port of entry between the world of spirit and the world of what? Men. Look at Genesis 8, 20, 21, and then I'm going to give you a definition of an altar. I want you to write it down. Write it down. You'll never forget it because this definition works for any altar you ever see in the Bible, evil or righteous. They all have the same type of definition. They do the same thing. Okay? Just for two different kingdoms. Okay. Genesis 8, 2021 says, and Noah built an altar. What did Noah build? What did Noah build? Okay. You have, if, now that's, uh, that, that expression, Noah built an altar, is throughout the Bible. Every righteous, godly man God ever walked with had a time when they built what? Abraham built what? Isaac built what? Jacob built an what? Every one of them built an altar who ever walked with God. Why? Because God will not work with anybody who is not standing on an altar because it's illegal for God to do so. God will never work with any man or woman who is not standing on an altar because it's illegal for God to do so. Because it breaks the promise of dominion. He gave the permission to you. So you must build the altar and then God will show up on it. So if you want God to show up, it's simple. Build an altar. That's why I'm telling people how to build altars in their home. And I'm telling you, people are, are telling me, my God, you have changed my life. He said, the presence of God in the house is, with, 
says, it's like coming back. I mean, he said, our house has changed. The fight. I mean, it's amazing to see some of the testimonies we are getting around the world as people are realizing, amen, that, that building an altar in your life, in your heart, and in your home is not Old Testament, it's kingdom. Because old, altars are not Old Testament, and old, altars are the ancient path. Are you catching what I'm saying? And what? Ancient path. That means they can never... They will never, uh, they are eternal. That's why they are even found in heaven. So watch this now. Uh, look at this. Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird, follow bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Okay, watch this. 21. When the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, when the Lord what? Smelled the what? The pleasing odor, a scent of satisfaction to what? To his heart, the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the imagination, the strong desire of man's heart is evil and wicked from his youth. Neither will I ever again smite and destroy every living thing as I've done. Wow. You know what is amazing when I was studying this scripture? That there's no place there mentioned at all that Noah ever prayed. Now, he could have prayed, but the Bible doesn't even talk about that. They don't even mention it. simply said he built an altar, and the altar immediately began to talk to God. The offering he put on, the altar began. God began to engage the altar. And what he, what he received from, uh, 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 he said, the aroma that came from the sacrifice of Noah was so powerful, God began to talk to himself. And then he said, I will never again curse the ground. That tells you, talk to me somebody, amen, that when you build a righteous altar in your life or in your, in your life, it can begin to reverse every curse that's been there already. Things are going to begin to move around, begin to turn around because of the way it brings God down in your life to begin to do what he couldn't do before. What is amazing to me is that Noah has been in the boat for 150 days because of the rain. You think that when the, everything subsides, everything has been destroyed, you think the first thing Noah is going to build is a house to sleep in for the night. He doesn't do it. The first thing he does when he comes out of the ark is build God an altar. What does he understand? He understood, I want to begin this new dispensation of government with God. And how do you bring God down? You build an altar and God will come. Are you with me, somebody? Watch this now. What is an altar? Write it down. It's already on the board. An altar is a supernatural landing strip. An altar is a what? Comma, a meeting place. Comma, a power station. A what? Comma, a platform. Comma, a consecrated place. Comma, what, let me just ex explain the word consecrated place. Imagine you go in a closet. The, a closet is a common room. It's where you're most closets you design them for, for, for uh, heavy coats, whatever. Imagine, I've, I'm, I'm getting people from around the world, there are people sending us, they'll send us for the where they, or, or emails where they, they, they gutted out their closet and they dedicated the closet to the Lord as an altar. 
where they'll meet with him on a daily basis. So, from, so in other words, for the moment you dedicate a, speci- a specific room in your house and you say, oh, the Lord, this is where I'm going to meet with you, the moment you finish dedicating, that place is already what? An altar. Because you have now declared it to the Lord as a consecrated place different from any room in your house. This is the one room where the only thing you do when you are in that room is seek his face. Now, the bedroom you shared with your husband, the living room you shared with your children, with your cousins, whatever, it's common. Every other room in your house is common. But the altar is that one room you have consecrated to the Lord. So it's a consecrated place. It's a place of exchange. A place of what? A place of what? Okay. Comma. Where spirits... Where what? Now put in brackets. We define spirits in brackets. So the spirits we're talking about is God, angels, or demons. Close call. So where spirits, God, angels, or demons land. It's where humanity meets with divinity. We just end there. It's where humanity what? Meets with what? So every author in the Bible really has that as that dynamic, every one of them, okay, they operate like landing strips. So when there's an altar in your bloodline, let's say, talk to me, somebody. When the, and, and, and I'm not sure how to identify altars in your bloodline, by the way, evil. How do you identify if they're evil altars? We're going to do that before we go in the court of heaven because I want to have an idea of what we're coming into for, okay? But I want to understand that an altar is not a, it's not a small deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal, okay? So, now, I want you to, there, there are two types of altars, two types of altars in the Bible. We won't go into it much because we've already talked about this. There are godly or righteous altars, and there are also what? Evil altars. Is that right? There are godly or, or what? Righteous what? Altars. Or there is what? Evil altars. So ultimately, the righteous people are the ones that build godly what? Altars. Evil altars are altars, you know, talk to me somebody, man, that we open the door to the enemy before we know the Lord. You know, we, you know, we, the, you know, and so the enemy can use those open doors as landing strips because we did something that allowed the enemy to have legal access to our bloodline, and that is what we want to destroy tonight. Now, I want you to to go to slide number nine. Uh, those who are looking at the PowerPoint, so check this statement out. The only place where we can fully destroy an evil altar is in the courts of heaven. Someone say, in the courts of heaven. Say with me. The only place where we can fully destroy an evil altar is in the courts of heaven. Okay? And I'm going to show you a biblical example of that. Go to 1 Kings 13, verse 1 to 3, where we actually see a biblical model of an evil altar being judged. By God. Alright? Because that is the model we are going to use when we stand up together in a few minutes to enter the court of heaven and ask God to deliver us and our children from any evil altars in the bloodline because of what our forefathers or ancestors did that gave the devil legal rights to enter the bloodline and begin to cause havoc. Amen? So watch this now. 1 Kings 13. Are you ready? 
Okay, as a matter of fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to count up to three. You see this on the board right there. If you can see it, you can read it. If you cannot, open your Bibles. I know it's, I'm using the New King James Version. But if it's, or you can read what if, Can you read the scripture on, on the board? Yes, actually, it's clear enough. All right? Amen? One, two, three, read. And behold, there came a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord to Bethel. Jehoram stood by the altar to burn incense. Then the man cried against the altar by the word of the Lord. Altar, altar, altar. Thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name. And on you he shall offer the priest of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burnt on you. Verse 3, And he gave a sign the same day, saying, this is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Is that right? Behold, the what? The altar shall be split, and the ashes upon it shall be poured out. Some say amen to that. Because God is about to do that to the, any evil altar in your bloodline. Go to the, the second slide. We continue verse, We can continue to read. Again, one, two, three, read. When King Jehoram heard the words, the man of God cried against the altar in Bethel, he thrust out his hand, saying, Lay hold of him, and his hand which he put forth against him dried up, so that he could not draw it to him again. The altar also was split, is that right? And the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. And the king said to the man of God, Entreat now the favor of the Lord your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. And the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored as before. Someone say amen. So here, before we move on and come to the, we are almost done, we're about to probably five minutes in our message, but we're going to go in the court of heaven and really see some, some breakthroughs in our life begin to get released, okay? But how many know that here we have a perfect picture of a man of God who has been sent by God to bring the judgment of God against an evil altar that was corrupting the country. This was a national altar because the king himself was the attendant to the evil altar. Jehoram was the attendant to the evil altar. That means the altar was a national altar that was corrupting the country. Talk to me somebody. So God sends a man of God to go and speak. Now watch this. What blew me about, what blew my mind when I was reading the story is that man of God, the man of God never once talks to the king until much later. He completely ignores the king who was attending to the altar. How many know no more protocol? No more, no more protocol. Is that right? Who dictate if you find the head of state, you first do your homage. You know, he's the head of state. Secret service is there, I'm sure. He was the king. The prophet completely ignores the king and talks to the altar instead, which begs the question. Why would he talk to the altar if the altar is unable to hear his voice? It's because altars can hear. Altars can hear. How can they, they can hear? They can hear through the spirits that operate from them. 
So literally by judging the altar, he was judging every spirit working through that altar. Hear the word of the Lord. It's an amazing story. He, he says, altar, altar. He said, ignores the king. And that's when I learned a powerful key of deliverance. He said to me, Francis, you know why he ignored him? He said, Francis, when you break an evil altar in the bloodline that's been operating in the bloodline, it's an, it's an altar of addiction or an altar of, uh, of uh, uh, talk to me somebody, of infirmity. There's always somebody sick. When you break the altar, the people who have been arrested by that altar will automatically begin to get set free. And it's amazing. Talk to me, somebody. Amen? We've had people, we've had people come in the meetings like this, and we take them in the court of heaven to dissociate the altars in the bloodline. I mean, some even stood up to dissociate the altars in the bloodline. What, some of them were alcoholic altars. Everybody in the, in the family is an alcoholic. So they began to stand in the court of heaven, asking God to break that evil altar that had everybody attending to it. Or, uh, attending to it. They got delivered. They, I mean, they, they, they came before God and destroyed the altar and then got surprised that the members of their family that used to drink stopped drinking. Some of them, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done with it. They don't even know why they stopped drinking all of a sudden because the altar that was causing everybody to drink has been destroyed. So tonight, you're not just going in the court of heaven for you, you're going in for your bloodline because your deliverance today might trigger, might what? It might have a domino effect in your bloodline. So certain people in the family are going to shift because you have shifted something. They don't even know you shifted. Is that amazing? So watch this now. He speaks to the altar and he says the altar is going to split apart. He brings the judgment of God against the altar. Says the altar will be split about the ashes on it will be poured out. The ashes represents every offering, everything that altar has taken from the family or from the nation. Says the altar will split apart and the ashes will be poured out. And, and immediately, now watch this, the king gets upset because he's the attendant to that altar. He tries to strike the man of God, but the altar has already been judged. So it can, no longer, it can no longer support his actions. When he starts to hit the man of God, his hand freezes. His muscles are frozen in midair when he tries to touch the man of God. Which shows you when an evil altar in your bloodline is destroyed, power shines hand from the evil altar to the one that broke it. So when you are the one that you allow God to use you to break the evil orders in your bloodline, God will give you the authority they had over your bloodline. You now have it. So trust me, there are people in your family that never used to, that never used, that never used to listen to you. We're going to be listening to you like you don't. Like what happened? They never used to listen to me. Well, because you were the one who went in the court of heaven and destroyed the altars that were controlling them. Therefore, the power they had is now being given to you by the Lord. Power will shift hands. Are you with me, somebody? I, I am convinced that God raises a deliverer for every family. I believe you are here this morning because you are a deliverer for your family. You have been chosen by God to know what you are now knowing so you can do what you need to be done to deliver the family. I believe many of you are Gideons today. You know Gideon? God came to Gideon. And through Gideon, God brought deliverance to all of Israel. But before he brought deliverance to all of Israel, he brought deliverance to the, to the family of Gideon. Because the family of Gideon were addicted, were worshipping the altar of Baal. 
the father of Gideon was a high priest to Baal. Judges 6. He was a high priest to Baal. And God comes to Gideon and says, Gideon, I'm sending you, go and destroy the evil altar your father bows down to. And the whole country will be set free. So Gideon goes at night and he destroys the altar of his father to Baal and builds a new altar to the Lord. It's in Judges 6. When the men of the city wake up in the morning, they go, there's a riot. Why? Because the altar of Baal that they were worshipping has been destroyed overnight. So they go to the house of Joash. They say, who did this? And the people told them it was Gideon, the son of Joash. So, they, they, so a mob came at his house. Give us Gideon, we want to kill him. How dare he destroy the altar of Baal? Now Joash, the father of, of Gideon, should have been the one most mad. Because he was the high priest to the altar that had been destroyed. But you see, when the altar has been destroyed, the family members affected by it are also set free. So Joash, instead of fighting for Baal, he starts to fight for Gideon. He said, if Baal is a god, why does he need you to fight for him? Because his altar has been torn down, why should you fight for him? If you want to fight for Baal, I'll kill you before you touch my son. Or it means that when the altar was destroyed at night by Gideon, the power it had over his own fire while he was sleeping was broken. And the power to deliver Israel was given to Gideon. Here's a principle. Whosoever takes it upon themselves to challenge the evil altars in your bloodline, God will give you authority those altars had over your family. Talk to me, somebody. That's why God raises deliverers for every family. So since we are going to pray, amen? So here's our, what, what we're going to do now. I'm going to show you. I'm going I'm, I'm to give you an opportunity on a piece of paper or in your heart to reflect on what I'm about to say so you can identify the evil altars in your bloodline that you want the Lord to help you destroy as we come before the court of heaven. So people ask me, Dr. Miles, how... How can I know what kind of altars, evil altars, are operating in my bloodline? And, well, the answer comes like this. In my book here, I have a chapter called The Twelve Laws of an Altar. The Twelve Laws what? Of an Altar. When you understand the Twelve Laws of an Altar, it becomes very difficult, easy to decide altars in your bloodline. But one of the nine laws, one of the Twelve Laws is a law uh, is, 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 is the law that says all altars are places of ritual. Say with me, all altars are places of ritual. Say ritual. Rituals, right? Okay. R-I-T. Okay. Yes, you got, I see what you're doing. Repeated habits. Repeated what? Habits. Man, I like you. Thank you for helping me. You made it so easy for me. So how, just using what she said, that's exactly. I use that law to the people. Look for repeating habits you do not like that violate the nature of Jesus, but you keep doing them. Those are the evil authors in your bloodline. You do it, they, 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 are, they are repeated patterns. You go through them, but you do not enjoy them because they violate the nature of who God is. 
for instance, talk to me somebody, man. I have had people where the whole family has an altar of pornography. Everybody is addicted to some level. They hate, because they're believers, they hate how they, they hate themselves after, because sin, after that, after, after the, the initial experience, is that right? Of being stimulated, the aftermath is even more terrible. They feel bad. I, oh my God, how did I, I did it again. I looked at that filthy stuff. Oh God. But when the altar wants to eat again, the passion rises, they do it again. Then they, are, then they are back in the cycle of, I'm so sorry, Lord, I won't do it again. They do it again. So I tell people, look for patterns. Okay? Sometimes you have to look, or you have to have an area of you, because sometimes all evil authors are good at hiding. They hide through the family. So don't just look at repeating, don't just look at repeating patterns in your life. Sometimes you have to look over the family and see what are the repeating patterns in the family. I got you what I'm saying. So all of a sudden you find out that in the family, whatever happens, everybody, at some point, he went through bankruptcy, she went through bankruptcy, he went, see, if it's just you, it's not a pattern. But if you look over and you find two, three members of the families, same bank, I've gone through bankruptcy, there's an altar of bankruptcy in the family that needs to be destroyed. So sometimes you have to look over the family, but sometimes it's so close you can see it. It's in your life. So I tell people, look for the rituals. Look for repeating patterns in your life. I remember getting a phone call. It was a text from my wife. I think my wife got it or I got it. We both got it. It's a partner of our ministry. Loves the Lord. They big give us into our ministry. At the time, they were giving. Just, just, we just spent some time with them on the phone. Just love, lovely people. Loved each other. They, 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 then they gave birth to a little boy. Yeah. So when the boy got seven months old, he got a text from the mother. Saying, I'm driving to a shelter right now. I can no longer live with him. And that, and we said, oh, oh God, no, no, no. Because we care about, we cared about both of them. What? What is happening? Then she explained. I'm so tired of his addiction to prescription drugs. He's promised me over and over again he'll get over it. But he sneaks out at night and we've lost thousands of dollars to this thing. He has gone for psychotherapy, but we get back to the same place. I just can't have, the name, she mentioned the, the name of the boy. I can't have him growing up around that. I got to find a way out. So I'm going to a shelter and I'll find what I, what I need to do to, to get out. But I cannot be, I love him. And so I, as I'm reading that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me just like that. He said, Francis, he wants to be free. He says he wants to be free. He doesn't know how because he's going about it the wrong way. I said, God, what do you mean? He says, change how you are looking at his dilemma. He said to me, Francis, I want you to look at addiction from a different, from the heavenly perspective. He says, addiction from the heavenly perspective is different from the chemical perspective, the psychotherapy perspective you guys are using. So God, I said, I said so God, what does, what, what does addiction look like to you from the heavenly perspective? Here's what he told me. He says, Francis, from the heavenly perspective, an addict is simply a human attendant to an altar that has become too strong for them to say no to it. He says, so you need to bring this man before me and judge the altar, the evil altar of prescription drugs 
is addicted to. It says, you see, the ritual of the altar is the food of the altar. So how do you know? No, no, what, what, what does it mean? It means whatever the repeating pattern is the food, the spirit on the altar, eat. So anytime they want to eat that ritual, the attendant has to do it. Remember the word altar call? We say it all the time on Sunday. I answered the altar. What you are saying, the altar called you. So when the altar for prescription drugs comes calling, all his, all his vows were useless because he was powerless against it. So he would promise and hold out until the altar call for that altar became so strong, he thought he was losing his mind if he did not get a little bit pills to satisfy it. As soon as he gave it what it needed, it were, he felt better. But the aftermath was guilt to his wife. So I called him. I, told him, I called him. I said, I said, you know what? I mean, he was just broken. He loved his daughter. He, you know, he loved his wife and loved his son. Man, he was, I'm not, um, the man was broken. I said to me, I don't know what to, I, I just love my wife, but I don't know how to stop this. I promise, I'm, you know, that I've, I've, there are days I've held out, held out, but it becomes so overwhelming. I end up sneaking out, because that's the only time I feel better when I give it what it wants. I say, I get you. I said, do you know what you what you're addicted to? It's not drugs. Drugs, it says you are addicted to an evil altar of prescription drugs, and the drugs is just what it eats. So anytime the altar call, you have to feed it. I said, what about if I told you there's another way you can destroy this altar? Forget about psychotherapy. You spend thousands, by the way, on psychotherapy trying to get out of it. Nothing works. And on a Zoom call, I took him into the court of heaven, and we dealt with the addiction from that perspective. And I led him in a prayer where he told God, I want you from today to deliver me and divorce me from being an attendant to this evil altar of prescription drugs. Do you know what happened? He's never had it again. Completely delivered. Wife went back home. Wife went back home. Talk to me, somebody. Just like that. What did he do to my husband? I took him in the court of heaven where altars, where evil altars can be truly be destroyed. Psychotherapy may, may deal with the symptoms, but not with the altar itself. Only God can deal with something spiritual. Are you ready? So look, for, look, look, look for patterns. So let's get ready. Let's stand up everywhere. Let's get ready to go in the court of heaven. Some, some people, it is sickness. Sickness is always somebody sick. So sickness, if it's perversive, can become an altar, an evil altar. So I've seen, I've, I've prayed for people where the altar was cancer. Everybody in the family were either recovering from it or getting one. That's not, that's not normal. Okay, a pattern has been developing. Everybody. Mama had it, daddy had it, cousins had it, I either died from it or recovered from it, but somebody, it's always there. And we were dealing with an evil altar. So it puts the family on repeating patterns. Sometimes rage can be a pattern. So an author of rage. 
Isaiah 7, I'm talking to somebody, amen? So all of that stuff. So find out what is it, what is the repeating what? Patterns. Is that what you said, sis? Repeating habits. Repeating habits or repeating patterns. Look for that. You're going to come before the Lord. You're going to ask God, I want the evil altars behind these uh, uh, patterns or habits to stop. Not only for me, but for my family. Are you ready? Okay, let's stand up together. Yes. So if it's um, on, if it's specific, it's on addictions. You'd have to be specific about if it's alcohol, cigarettes, food, sugar. What the addiction is. That's the altar. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, by the way, uh, the media team, do you mind playing in the background? The go on, on YouTube and play Yeshua instrumental. Put Yeshua instrumental. Can we do that? Yeshua instrumental. And just I just want that worship around us as we go in the corner. Everything we can use. That what I mean, worship is part of our weaponry. Is that right? Worship is part of our weaponry. Is that right? Amen. Anything I can, amen. Let's get ready. So, hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, let's pray. Let's just pray in tongues right now. Wow, just pray in tongues or in the understanding. Just pray. Let's talk to God right now. We bless you, Lord. We give you the praise. Father, you are, you are raising us to be deliverers for our family. Lord, I sense the mantle for deliverances in the building. You're going to deliver us, but you're also going to deliver our, mem our family members who are not here are going to begin to come out of addictions they couldn't come out of. Because we are addressing the, the spiritual technology behind the addiction. The altars behind it. And the demonic entities that are operating from those altars to cause our family members to be bound. We bless you, Lord. The mighty name of Jesus.
Are you ready to pray? Spread this prayer after me everywhere. And there's going to come a time in the, in our, as we present our case before the Lord in the court of heaven. There's going to come a time when I'm going to ask you to tell the Lord what the ought deserve. So everybody will be able to talk to the Lord wherever you are. It doesn't have to be loud, but you need to be verbal where you, you can have the spoken word involved. Okay? There is something powerful about speaking something out and putting it on, on the record. Amen? But pray this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, righteous judge. I ask for the court of heaven to be seated. And for the books of my destiny to be opened. As I come before the judge of all the earth. To plead my case. Against any and all evil altars. In my life or bloodline. That are speaking against me that are working against me, that have caused me and my family to go round around the same cycles and patterns. Enough of that. I declare and declare, Lord, that as, I have, that as, I, that I've, as I've stepped in the court of heaven, I will live with my deliverance sealed. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Because I'm here to appeal to your supreme court, O God. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Concerning the tyranny of these evil altars and the demonic entities that have been using them as a landing strip to launch attacks against me and my family. Heavenly Father, righteous judge, I thank you that the Holy Spirit is my official guide and counselor in the court of heaven. Heavenly Father, as I stand before you, I surrender all rights to self-representation. Instead, Lord, I'm asking my defense attorney, my advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, to represent me in your Supreme Court against all idols and evil altars that are controlling my life and bloodline in any way. I also ask the Lord Jesus to heal and deliver me by his blood from all sore wounds caused by idols and evil altars in my bloodline. Heavenly Father, righteous judge, I'm seeking a verdict of release from the power of these evil altars and their demonic cycles. Heavenly Father, in Matthew 5, 25, 
the Lord Jesus said, when you are on your way to court, come to terms with your adversary. Lest your adversary hand you over to the judge and you are thrown into prison. Heavenly Father, righteous judge, in keeping with the admonition of the Lord Jesus, I enter a, a guilty plea into the court's records concerning any legitimate accusations that Satan has filed against me and my bloodline for iniquities and transgressions that we are guilty of. Even concerning the times, Lord, we broke the first commandment that says you shall have no other gods before me. Lord, I'm asking that all of these sinful activities and iniquities of my bloodline that are connected to idolatry and erecting of evil altars be now dissolved by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. As I repent of all sins and transgressions, that me and my ancestors are, have committed. It is written in 1 John 1 verse 9. If, I if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I receive your cleansing power now. So Satan has no legal rights he cannot accuse me because every accusation is now silenced by the blood of Jesus that cleanses me clean in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Heavenly Father, I ask, I, I ask you now to subpoena into this court the following evil altars that I have noticed in my bloodline or in my family for them to be destroyed now. Okay, now I want to mention, I want you to mention to the Lord any repetitive patterns or behaviors that you see in your life or in your family members that you want to see God destroy. Open your mouth and tell the Lord, I'll give you a few seconds. I'll give you about 30 seconds. Just tell the Lord what it is. Tell the Lord, Lord, I want you to break this. I want you to break this. You know, this addiction, I want you to break this. I want to break this pattern. Whatever the patterns are, you know, amen. Talk to me, somebody, amen. Just tell the Lord. Just put them on the record. The Lord is the Lord is hearing what you are saying. Just tell the Lord, I want this to end in my life. I want this to stop in my family. Okay, it could be violence. It could be strife. Always fighting in the family. Whatever the altar, whatever the repetitive pattern is that you want God to destroy, tell Him. Tell Him. Just tell Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Maybe it could be sickness, lingering disease. Always, there's always somebody sick in the family. You know that author of infirmity must be destroyed. That author of rage, that author of pornography, that author of nicotine, that author of alcohol, that author of, um, amen, addiction to substances, whatever it is. Whether it's witchcraft that has been in the family, you know, 
the order of witchcraft. Say, Lord, I want the order of witchcraft to be destroyed in my family. Whatever the Lord shows you or you sense, say it to the Lord because the Lord is listening to you. Amen. You will be standing before him in his court and he wants to bring deliverance to you right now in Jesus' name. Now say the Lord, now say, Heavenly Father, all these altars, these repetitive, that are, all the altars that are behind, say all the evil altars which are behind any of the repetitive habits and patterns that I don't like, that don't look like Jesus, but keep repeating in my life or my bloodline, Lord, I'm asking that these evil altars would now be judged, would now be judged from the court of heaven. I'm asking now that you release angelic officers of the court of heaven to destroy these evil altars. Let them be split apart and the ashes on them be poured out never to rise again to oppress me or my bloodline in Jesus' name. Lord, I also petition you for the deliverance, the healing of members of my family who have been oppressed by these evil altars. I declare and decree that wherever they are, they'll begin to get set free. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All over a sudden, all over a sudden, they'll find the resolve to come out of these patterns. Because the altar is being destroyed today. Lord, I am asking that the same grace you place upon Gideon in Judges 6 to destroy the evil altar of his father's house. That same grace is now upon my life right now to destroy the evil altars of my father and mother's house in the name of Jesus. I call these altars destroyed. I call them judged by the living God. In Jesus' name. Give God a shout if you believe God is doing it right now. In the name of Jesus, give God a, give God a shout. I said give the Lord a shout of deliverance in the house. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Oh, hallelujah. My God, I feel the anointing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now listen, amen. Once the altars are judged, whatever patterns we are going through can now be broken completely. So listen, now that we are broken, the altars have been judged in the court of heaven. Amen. Talk to me, somebody. I just want you to come over here. Amen. If you know, amen. Talk to me, somebody. Amen. Just, I mean, if you want me to lay hands, 
to seal your deliverance, you can just come to the altar and I'm just going to lay hands right now very quickly. Let's remove this if you don't mind. Can you help me? Let's just maybe put it up. Let's put it Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Thank you. Just lift up your hands. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I want you to, to release your faith when I lay hands on you. Amen. Whatever recurring patterns and habits that you are going through, that will be the end of it. Because you've already been judged in the court of heaven. My laying of hands is to seal it, to seal your deliverance. Amen. Is that right? Okay, just lift up your hands and just, just be accepted. Start to pray right Just to pray right Just to begin to pray right now. Just begin to pray. Talk to the Lord right Just talk to the Lord. Just love, just love upon the Lord. Just love on Jesus. Right? Love on, before I come, love on Jesus right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you that as I lay hands on your people, Lord, you're going to seal their victory. You're going to seal the breakthrough that you have given them from the court of heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they'll never again be victims of the same addictive patterns and habits. In the name of the Lord Jesus, the evil altars have been broken by the Spirit of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, to God be the glory. Father Doug, do you have any anointing oil anywhere? Thank you, sister. There's always somebody. Thank you. Now put the Yeshua in English, the one they sing, the actual singing. So it's in the background while I lay hands on people. Just lift up your hands and get ready. As I come to anoint you with oil. This is the oil of deliverance. And by the way, if any of you are sick in the body, watch what happens. God is going to heal you because we have found when we judge the altars, some of them were behind the diseases we're dealing with and people get healed. We have a tumor disappear, all kind of things happen when we do this. So get ready for the healing. Okay, so if you're also believing God for a, we had several people that got healed yesterday, but if you're believing God for a healing, then when I anoint you to seal your deliverance, what I'm doing, God told me, anoint with oil just to seal the deliverance. Seal the deliverance. And you catch what I'm saying. Amen. And I'm saying, I'm, and saints, do not be surprised if some of your family members who've never cared about the church all of a sudden begin to ask to you to come with you to church. Because when these orders are broken, people start behaving strangely. It'll be strange to you, like, what? You want to go to, you want to go to church? Because the altar has been destroyed, so there's nothing influencing them against the work of God. There are family members who are about, who, who, who you've been praying to, who, to get born again, who are about to get born again. I'm telling you. Okay, now lift up those hands as I come to you right now. I'm just going to anoint. I'm going to start with my brother. I'm going to go this way. I'm just going to anoint you with oil. Okay? Shakarabarab. The name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, we're talking serious income. I see your deliverance. There it goes. Oh, my God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, with the anointing of one human God, I see your deliverance. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I seal your deliverance. I seal your deliverance. With the anointing, so strong. In the name of Yeshua, I seal your deliverance from all the evil altars God has destroyed. In the name of the Lord, yes, I see your deliverance from any evil altars in your bloodline the Lord has destroyed. 
Just lift it up. Raise the volume of the song. I see your deliverance. There he goes. I seal your deliverance in the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I seal your deliverance from the evil altars. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I seal your deliverance by the anointing of oil. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, my brother, I seal your deliverance in the name of the Lord. Receive that. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. Seal deliverance. The Lord Jesus Christ, I seal your deliverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I seal your deliverance in the court of heaven from the evil orders. I seal your deliverance from the evil orders from the court of heaven. the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, I sue your deliverance from the court of heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I sue your deliverance from the court of heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I sue your deliverance from the court of heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. I seal your deliverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, from the court of heaven, my brother, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. I seal your deliverance today from the court of heaven. My sister, I seal your deliverance today from the court of heaven. the morning of
Jesus Christ, my brother, I seal your deliverance today. The of the my sister, today, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. My sister, I seal your deliverance by the anointing of oil from the court of heaven. Come on, look at his face. My sister, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. My dad was right here. I seal your deliverance that has given you from the court of heaven. I seal it now from the my God. Brother, I feel your deliverance, your healing from the bread of <laughs> My sister, I feel your healing and deliverance from the bread of heaven. Receive your own. But you don't have my hand. comes the fire. I feel your deliverance today. I seal your deliverance, my brother, from the court of heaven. Check that out. Thank you. Sister, I seal your deliverance by the anointing of oil from the court of heaven. Receive it. My sister, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. My God, I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. You see, Ooh, there goes right through the name of the Lord Jesus. I seal your deliverance today, woman of God, from the court of heaven. I, young man, I see your deliverance today from the court of heaven. You've been looking to get out of some, some cycle, some habits, and God is doing it right now. You're free. You see the My sister, I see your deliverance from the court of heaven. I see your deliverance. From the court of heaven. The name of the Lord. Who's next? Father, I seal your deliverance today from the court of heaven by the name of God. Anderson, come here. Give your hands, both of you. Today I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven concerning the altars that you have judged in the court of heaven. Receive it. Bab, receive it. Woo. My God. And Bab, also, God is also healing you right now. I sense the liquid fire going through you. God is healing you. He's also he's healing your legs. He's healing your arms. He's healing your back. He's being healed by the power of Almighty God. Right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, God is going. My sister, I do. I feel your deliverance today from the court of heaven. 
My sister, I see your deliverance and also your healing. Okay? I see your, your, your tube and everything else. God is a healing God. Okay? I sense God healing you right now by the power of God. Father, I'm asking that you touch her, you heal her, and she'll begin to breathe without giving the, without needing all of that stuff. Receive the anointing. That's it. Oh my God, oh God. Father, a creative miracle. Heal our lungs. Heal our lungs. Everything that's broken in our body is being healed right now. Feel the anointing right now. That's the fire of God, my sister. God touching you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for healing. For healing. In the name of Jesus. Our lungs are being healed. Breathe normally without without needing anything. In Jesus' name I pray. My sister, I seal your deliverance today. Lift up your hands. From the court of heaven. I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven. Right now. Wow. I seal your deliverance from the court of heaven right now. By the laying on of my hands. The anointing of oil. Receive it. All of it that you have prayed for before that is now sealed. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Come on. Brother, I seal your deliverance right now from the court of heaven. Fine. My brother, I seal your deliverance right now. From the code of heaven, with the letter of my hands, receive you. My sister, I seal. Hallelujah. And the Lord said, I'm restoring the years that the doctors have eaten in your life. Receive the anointing right now. As I see it. As I see it. sister, I seal upon you the deliverance of the Lord from the court of heaven. There it goes right there. I thought you were ready. Brother, I seal deliverance right now. That's it. It's the anointing of God. Father God is so strong right now. Can I pray for you? I for you. Brother, I see your deliverance from the court of heaven today. On the loan of my hands. There it goes. <laughs> That's a power, brother. That's a power. I just hit you like bam. That's the power of God. It was like, whoa. Amen. I haven't prayed for you, brother. Have I? Okay, lift up your hands. I release upon you the power of the Lord as I see your deliverance from the court of heaven. By the loan of my hands right now, I release it upon you by the Spirit of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, to God be the glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus, to God be the glory. Hallelujah. Somebody give God a shout. You know, I just wanted to... Wow. 
That's the power of God. He's come to make all things new. Right? Wow. You know, I just, I just want to remind everyone that God loves a joyful and generous giver. And I do want to support and, and, and bless these guys. And we have our love offerings up here if you want to. Uh, please support and pay into. This is important stuff. And it, it, I, I, it, it does take resources to make all this roll. It does. So, and I don't say that apologizing. I mean it with all my heart. So, let's do that. So, let's just consider that, okay? Tonight, we meet here at 7. And, uh, again, bring your seatbelts. And uh, be prepared to be radically altered at the altar of God. Amen? Yeah. I wanted to say last night was when we had the dirt. I pulled that dirt out of our garden at home. And so if we see 40-pound tomatoes grow this year, I'll let you guys know, okay? So, all right. Sandy, where, where's my wife at? She's... He asked you to come up here, sweetheart. We've been talking about altars. So my wife developed some prayer shows for people to decorate their home altar or to pray with like a prayer show instead of getting a talit. This is our, our version of the talit. I chose this because uh, just looking at you, I, I, I want to give this to you because you're the principal of this, uh, these children, the next generation, that they have to be taught the word of the Lord. This is the key to unlocking your destiny. And, and you have been unlocking their destiny. And without, without people like you, they will just be remaining stagnant, not knowing what the, Lord, the word of the Lord is. So I developed this, and I believe this is what God wants you. It's your, your one of the keys God is using to unlock people's destiny, especially the young, the young children. Um, but that I took this from the thing. This is not, uh, I need to give you a new one, but because uh, this is the sample. But I just want to put this over here. I love you. We love you. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Guys, I love you too. Now, tonight, we are going to be doing, we're going to have a very powerful prophetic act, talking about breaking generational curses under the blood, uh, 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 in the bloodline. We're going to be putting a bloodline. So tonight, we, I'm going to take you through my, the first teaching that put me on its supernatural withdrawal. We've had hundreds of thousands of people go through the prophetic act of jumping the bloodline. It is amazing what happens when people do it. You know, we have had people, even people's, even people's DNA change. We had a, a case in point, Sid Roth and I were in Israel, and there was a woman from Canada who was with us on the trip who had watched me on Sid Roth talking about jumping the bloodline, and she did it in a room in Canada. She was born with six toes, and so she was, they always made fun of her growing up. So she, she was so embarrassed, she just used to uh, wear shoes like this, not the one that women normally wear to show off their nice uh, to, um, uh, uh, whatever, because she was uh, embarrassed that people see the six toes. When we were in Israel with this lady, she has before and after picture. After she jumped the bloodline in her home in Canada, 
in two days, this ball, the sick stall dried up and then it fell off. And she had the dried off stalls in a little cup in Israel when I was with Sidroth. It's crazy stuff we've seen. So tonight we'll be doing Jamming the Bloodline. So be here at 7 o'clock. It's going to be amazing. Amen. I love you. I'm going to go to the book table and sign some uh, uh, books for you for those who are getting books. But get yourself some prayer shows. These are amazing prayer shows just for praying with. I love you so much. Amen. I can't wait to hear some testimonies from Grand Spass. Amen.